You've joined the Digital Transformation Success Podcast. I'm your host, Priscilla McKinney. I consult with leaders around the globe and bring their teams through a digital transformation journey. Realizing digital transformation across an entire organization is key to business success. While the phrase digital transformation is often used, it's not always understood. So we start each episode with my brief working definition. Digital transformation refers to the purposeful integration of digital technology into all areas of a business. It goes beyond technological innovations in that it requires a fundamental mindset shift of how to operate internally and deliver maximum value to customers at scale. When done well, it results in a culture change to an environment where opportunities for digital technology are not missed, but are thoughtfully used to change established practices and processes for greater efficiency, flexibility, and profitability. You'll hear from consultants, trainers, executives, innovators, and thought leaders. We will avoid buzzwords, jargon, and leave behind our egos to help you take that next step toward digital transformation success. Let's dive in. For those of you who have been listening to this podcast for a while, I'm just going to tell you, maybe this is going to be a little bit of a divergence because I am going to go all fangirl on my next guest. I am such a fan. It's kind of dumb, but also my next guest is also very mean putt player. And there's going to be all kinds of surprises and turns and twists in this episode. So if you tuned in thinking you were just going to casually listen let me just tell you, not going to happen. So let it go and sit back and enjoy this. So Henry Hayes, welcome to Digital Transformation Success. I've been looking forward to this one. I mean, ever since the putting green and my uh, <laughs> hole in one and I walked away, yes. this is fun for so It's good to see you. I love it. Well, full disclosure, Henry and I, what we're talking about is we were at the CEO Summit put on by Insights Association. And I asked him to come on because you are also that same type of audience. This audience for this podcast are professionals who are overwhelmed at the pace of business. And there are, frankly, so many issues to be contending with. So many of us have so many irons in the fire and they're real pressing issues. Some of us are dealing with maybe, you know, long-term challenges we haven't quite solved. Sometimes we have newly emerging issues. And it's something that I personally call the stunning discomfort of entrepreneurship. (laughs) But I know some of you might describe it as the roller coaster of CEO life. And just when you think you're coming up over that hill and it's going to be so fun coming down, all of a sudden there's something else, another wrench gets thrown into the work. So I hear you. I have empathy for you. I'm one of you. But because I love you so much, I'm bringing you Henry. So (laughs) we're going to have such a cool talk about the concept today about how so many of us look at things that we need to transform and change in our industry, in our businesses. And we think, oh, if we would just focus, if we would just get our act together and we just get a couple of these things lined out. Or if we would figure out what tool or what tip or what trick or what technology we could bring to solve this issue, this is what's going to work. But what we're going to do today is just let you take a deep breath and please don't try and solve anything. Just listen to what Henry has to say. Deep breath with me now. And we're going to offer to you, maybe there is more of a fundamental mindset shift that you need to have about innovation, about digital transformation, about what it looks like to understand failure 
<laughs> and how you could go about even thinking about the next thing that you're going to tackle. So I know that maybe sounds a little bit vague or amorphous, but let me assure you, it is not going to be by the end of this conversation. So first of all, you've got permission to breathe. All right. And Henry, tell us a little bit so we get some context about your day to day. And then we're going to get into some very exciting stories. Yeah. So Priscilla, I arrived at this kind of, there's an origin story like a lot of people have. I had a a pretty good career in pharmaceuticals in the biotech space from young mid-20s guy on a sales bag, all the way up to being recruited to help start a small little engine that could pharmaceutical company out of California. My mentor was there, made the call. I said yes. Before I asked what we were selling, typically you want to reverse that. But when people call you, go, if you're lucky enough to have that in your life. And so we had a, we built a company that was fortunate enough to exit. So when that happened, I left that company because I always had other intellectual curiosities. And at that time, this phenomenon of blockbusters closing was happening. And we look back now and can't go, okay, well, of course, but it wasn't like that in 2014, 15. In fact, I drove by one and was like, okay, that, that's something you do not see. It's like seeing a McDonald's boarded up, right? So intellectually curious as I was, I literally dove in that day and studied under Clayton Christensen at Harvard, who was the godfather of the term disruptive innovation, because I thought, okay, if Blockbuster, a giant like that, can get toppled, who else is in the crosshairs? And so it's one of those things where careful for what you ask for, because every day it got a little bit more interesting and definitely more serious. And so for 10 years, I've been doing that. I have kind of a sales guy background. So I look at things from a how can we solve problems perspective, had some ups and downs as an entrepreneur, just like you and, and all the listeners. And so I think at, at this point in my life, what my day-to-day is, is trying to get to as many people as I can to say, A, here's what's happening, guys. Let's open your eyes and don't miss the signs. That's really, really important because we all have cognitive bias built over these decades of working and what's worked. Funny, I was there with bankers this week and I told them, I said, guys, realize if I'm building a startup with a hefty amount of equity capital, I'm not looking for guys who have been 30 years in this game. In fact, you're the last in my line. So these things that to us were second skin are no longer. And it's hard to step out of that thought process and pattern. So I try to meet with enough folks that say, okay, Henry, we see it. You're right. Things are changing. And this isn't some theory, right? Number two, what can we do about it? And number three, I'm willing to put the work in. My phrase, Priscilla, for 2023 is action is your disruptive oxygen. In other words, Let's stop theorizing. Let's do something. And we can talk about, I'm playing around with what the market thinks is failure. I'm really kind of radically trying to redefine that word. So in a long answer, those are what I fill my days with. Yeah, this is what's floating around in your head. It does make me think of the Nokia quote from the CEO when he said, we didn't do anything wrong, but somehow we lost. And I think that's, there's such a feeling there of you can be doing all of the right things in traditional business and yet somehow fail. And this is centers around digital transformation success. How can you operate at the speed of business and still be thinking about the right things and doing the right things that are actually going to bring you success? And how can you maybe reframe the failure, which we are saying is inevitable on, along the process? And how can you quickly take action to mitigate that failure? Because it's going to happen. How do we get there? So here's the good news. I'll give you your listeners the good news up front in my eyes. 
because of the speed that everything is happening, that means the little guy now has a chance. In fact, I think the bigger guys are actually more disadvantaged because they're either anchor around their neck of legacy thinking. They're too slow. They're too, the blob can't move fast enough. I'll give you an example. Secondary education, colleges. We've seen the rise of what they cost relative to wages. It's, it's way out of whack. It's one of the, the leading kind of indicators in that space of, wait a minute, it's up 220%, but wages are up 8%, right? So colleges have always thought, hey, my core constituency is 18 to 22, 23, and that's a wrap. I challenge that to go, well, I'm 51 years old. I need constant adult education. Where is my alma mater? They're nowhere to be found. And they won't get there because they're too old, they're too slow, and they don't think the right way. So if your listeners are small to medium companies, Priscilla, I'd say you have a fighting chance because you can move quickly, you can learn. That's a lot different than if you work at a place that's been around and go, ah, this is the way we've always done it. And it's going to work out. It's like, no, it is not. So Mm, that's the good Okay. I love that. So let's kind of hone in on this, the power of a disruptive mindset and a willingness when it comes to taking that next step in your business. So you get asked this all day long in your consulting firm, you get a few people out there raising their hand. We're willing, we're willing to rethink what we have always done. (laughs) And then where do you go from there? What do you start? So we go through those three buckets that you saw. One of the core pieces of my work in my keynote are taking a look at, so let's pop the hood on your business, okay? We've done this, I've done a week on this, I've done an hour on this, so it really ranges in how deep a company wants to get. So number one, it's your market complacency of your business. What does market complacency mean? Priscilla, if I told you, or I asked you, tell me the last time the airline industry had a radical innovation in it, I would wait. Because it's been a while. And people always say Southwest, and that's not right. Because Southwest just sells and markets to us different. They fly the 737 Boeings. They use the same jetways, the same airports, the same security protocol. So I'll give you an example of a market not being complacent. When I was in college and I wanted extra computer storage, it would have been the size of a Deus or a Lectern, very heavy and very expensive. This came out and radically changed that industry, computer storage. Now, this is $9 at a CVS. So what did that do? Well, several things. One, they 100X'd that market and who could buy that, right? And it was radically lower in price. But let me get back to your question. So market complacency is one. The easiest to spot Priscilla is number two, customer frustration. Just be honest. Look in the mirror or ask them. I'm a big fan of a customer advisory board, Priscilla, which was shockingly people still don't have. I think one of the biggest misses we have as all this transformation is happening It's like, guys, just ask your customer. If you have any sort of relationship with them, they'll be honest. They'll tell you. Let me give you an example, real world, that's going on as we speak. If I say the name Chick-fil-A to your listeners, they probably smile or they say, yeah, it's my brand. I like them. And I do too. But let me tell you the problem that Chick-fil-A has or, or should be looking at. If you and I are in, pick any town, America, 1230 today, and we pull up to the Chick-fil-A and we look, what are we going to see? Lines. Yep. Which (laughs) if you're an executive or if you're in the company, you're like, great, people like us. And I would say not so great. Let's think about the macro. So Priscilla and Henry are in the car because we like the brand, we like the food. So we'll wait in line. But we'll wait in line. We don't love waiting. It's just that's a neuroscience truism. We'd like, we want what we want, we want fast, right? So the 18-minute wait to get my spicy chicken sandwich. 
has a shelf life. So the disruption in that particular example, Priscilla, would be, can they figure out how to bring it to me? Without, and we have DoorDash and Uber Eats, I get it. Because what you're doing is you're, people are raising their hands saying, I want what you have, but you're going to have to wait. It's not a good bet to take. In other words, over the time, Blockbuster did that. We went there, physically came to their location, rented the video, hoped to have it back on time. It was, we didn't love it, but what else could we do until Netflix said, grab it out of your mailbox. And then they said, push a button on your couch. And going to your location was over and they're out of business. So that's one today, one of the biggest brands in the world that quietly behind the scenes, they're wrestling with this. So because customers aren't frustrated yet, but they're going to be the clock's ticking. Yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting because that kind of turns something on its head. Something that people see, especially like you said, as CEO looking at uh, long lines, we think success and we walk away. And so what is your success many times does become your downfall. So I like that mindset shift and helps us become alert, maybe awake and alive to what's going on in our businesses right now. And not just saying, don't go treat all the problems. You have to also be looking at the things that are successful and what are going to become the pitfalls with those successes. Yeah, I think the companies I enjoy working with the most and the way the way I like people to think, Priscilla, today are the following. If you're big enough to put a, a portion of your resources, it could be small, 5%, 10%, and people into a room and say, okay, Priscilla, and a lot of these are young people. I just they have some really good energy and ideas. What if you said, okay, guys, your job for the next X period of time is to sprint and put us out of business. How would you do it? You know what we do. You, you know where the, the good, the bad, and the ugly here. And boy, you might be able to come up with some really innovative ways that can keep you in the game. Put another way, you know, gently cannibalizing parts of the business. Again, you're not going to initiate a tactic that's going to put you out of business over a month, but you're going to subtly and gently kind of scout yourself to say, all right, where can we improve? And I think it's the companies that do that. That is going to match the customer's want Look, as all this trans technology gets in our world, since I've seen you, which I think is three weeks ago, ChatGPT has passed the bar exam in Massachusetts. It's passed Google's entrance exam to be a stack engineer there. I mean, this stuff's coming so quickly that it's hard to make heads or tails of it. But I think if you want to simplify it, it's like, okay, boil it down to what is my consumer? What does my customer want? And how can I better what I do to their worlds? And the cool part of that question is the following. We're all customers. You and your husband, Priscilla, are consumers. There's Little Bird Inc. So you make buying decisions. So it's, it's pretty easy. What's with the UX and the UI that's easier for you? It's not much more complicated than that. And there's another thing I think that comes off of this, which is your listeners, you mentioned at the top of it, a lot going on. <laughs> and it's hard to make heads or tails of it. But I think I would love a brand that would say out loud, hey, listen, we tried something because we tried to advocate on your behalf, Mr. Customer, and it failed. And here's what we learned. If I hear that, I'm like, you know what? Good for you guys for having the vulnerability and the courage to say, we're trying. We think we missed, but we're not stopping. Very few do that. And if you do that, I don't know. I think, A, you're going to learn from what you missed on. But B, as your customer, I'm like, good for you, man. You have the guts to step out and say, we're trying to make sense of this, but 
I don't have it all right yet, but we love you guys. That reminds me of the Netflix letter. <laughs> That's, That's right. a great story. It's like, yeah, we tried something. We thought it would be really great for us. And we thought maybe you would go along with it and you didn't. And you know what? We're really sorry. <laughs> so never mind. <laughs> and I love that. that thing. So you talked about three things that are kind of telltale market complacency. So we've mm-hmm. got to really evaluate ourselves for that. Second thing. People undervalue really examining the customer frustration, get into it, get empathy. Like, what is it that they just can't take anymore? Mm -hmm. And then what's the third thing that you deal with? Yeah, tension points. Now, this is a little harder to understand. Tension points means if there's an artificial bottleneck in your business. So where the government is a payer, Priscilla, we have immediate tension points. That's why education and healthcare are still bloated carcasses on the platform of innovation that are gently crawling to get on the train. And and they're the last in line because the government is half a pair. I'll give you an example. So Air Uber is what it sounds like. It's a hovercraft service. The technology, a lion's share of the technology exists. So why don't we have it today? Well, we don't have it because the FAA controls the airspace. And so we have to figure out, hey, where do we take this thing off? Where do we land? How much do we tax these people? How do we deal with traffic? And those are all fair questions that need good answers. The point is the tension point in that equation is slowing down that innovation. Another tension point we've seen in, in the rear view is rideshare. So pick a city in America, we've seen the kind of the back and forth of city councils being influenced by the, the cab industry to say, hey, those guys need to be fingerprinted to be able to work. In some cases, like Austin, Texas, they kicked Uber out. And the market did not like that because the market had spoken. They liked rideshare. And so it didn't take long for the folks who made that decision to be out of that job and Uber and Lyft to be back. So that was a tension point that temporarily stalled the progress, but it's only a matter of time. So for instance, last week, California put the, their DMV put all their records on the blockchain. That's a big step forward to having a better customer experience for their folks. Have you lived in California and waited in a DMV line? Let me just assure you that there's a reason why there's so many jokes about the California DMV. So good for them. (laughs) And it's kind of like that false like sense of, well, people have to come here. They have to drive. They have to. And you keep saying that for so many years. And then all of a sudden, that thing that you thought was so true is not going to be true anymore. And we already see that with a younger generation with driving. Isn't that crazy? Without a doubt. Let's go back to history. What you just said reminded me of the Kodak story. So when you and I and our families were little kids, we went on the beach vacation. Mom and dad would come back with 13 rolls of film that they'd run off to the drugstore to get processed. And guess what? Dad's thumb was in the way 12 times. Oh, well, threw him in the trash can. Because that's what we had to do until this. And I'm holding up my smartphone with with my camera in the back of it came. And we deleted it in two seconds. Kodak was in the business of selling chemicals and film. They should have been in the business of making memories. And they didn't know that. They didn't get it. And so, yeah, you're right. Until a better thing comes along. But but had they asked their customers, they would have told them. And maybe they did. And they just ignored the signs. Well, and then it gets more brutal for that story because they're the ones who invented the digital camera. So it's just like, oh my God, it's insult to injury over there. So yeah, that's a really great story. And I think that when we do start thinking about innovation, which obviously you're an innovation consultant. So sometimes we get so hung up on, we got to innovate, we got to innovate. Yeah, but what you do with the innovation is so telltale. And so really understanding where the innovation fits 
And when the innovation fits has got to be super critical too. Sometimes we come with things too early, too late. So it is a matter of timing too. So you talk about this a lot with innovation and market disruption. We need to kind of what you were saying, disrupt ourselves before we get disrupted and be ready. Mm -hmm. So this market complacency is number one, ask yourself really hard questions about where are you complacent and where the industry that you live in is complacent. Really take an evaluation at your customer frustration, like listen to them and then look at what are the tension points keeping us from going this direction. So let me take you a different direction here. What, in your opinion, are industries that are out there that you would identify that are just right for disruption? You mentioned airlines. And I, when you said that to me a couple of weeks ago, I went out and of course flew home and I'm just like, oh, I'm going to get Henry to change this because I can't stand it. And I've been traveling as a young kid. I grew up in Europe and we joked about this too, smoking on the left, non-smoking on the right. Like who thought that was a good idea? We just laugh so hard about that. But that is like the little amount, the very, very tiny fragments of innovation that that industry has seen since that point is laughable. So what else besides that obvious one? Yep. So I mentioned healthcare. Look, we have, it should be called sick care. We all know why. Uh, But Priscilla, with the innovations in technology coming, we're going to start to really pick up the speed of this innovation. And if you have what I term unearned margin, a great example of unearned margin was the late fee at Blockbuster. They they didn't earn that from me. I don't like paying that, but what was I going to do? Well, that's a tough situation to be in if you're the business owner. In other words, there's a shelf life on unearned margin. So all the health insurers, the PBMs, the legacy players in that space, if you're not making moves now, I dare say the way you did business, it's too late. I can make that prediction. So that's healthcare. Education is one that, look, we've beaten education up pretty good. Obviously, we know the origins, World War II and and getting folks on a supply line, and we understand that. But I think COVID forced us to take a look at how this one size fits all. It's not working. I think the idea of Technology interspersed with an old school idea of apprenticeship. Hey, what is 18-year-old Priscilla interested in? Like genuinely. And we have enough with the artificially intelligent mappings of what we're interested in to steer us in that direction. Um, So I think education is one. Another one that I think is a little bit kind of underrated, but is going to come on the scene big time is law. Of all things, Priscilla, I mean, think about it. You want to talk about this complacency? Ben Franklin was a lawyer in Philadelphia who charged people a fee per, per hour of his time. Guess what? We still do that today in 2023. <laughs> Let's take a short break. As a business professional, mastering social media is no longer a nice-to-have set of skills, but a fundamental need in order to advance your career and exceed goals. A lot of people are interested in learning social selling techniques for revenue generation, network building, and maybe even to advance their thought leadership. But what is actually needed is a practical and repeatable system to digitally transform whole teams. Teams that commit to creating meaningful digital communities and learn how to leverage social media to turn relationships into sales online far outperform their competitors. And companies that commit to investing in their teams to increase their personal social influence reap the benefit of increased brand awareness and positive upticks in company reputation. Social media is natural. It's cost-effective and it's an easily leveraged tool at anyone's disposal. 
What is lacking is an effective and proven system that trains sales, marketing, HR, and executives alike to move from social selling to complete digital transformation and into digital dominance. Our 12-week social selling course is a practical, hands-on experience. It's taken over time specifically to address the needed mindset shifts, the changes in habits and behaviors, and all of this while implementing new skills. You will learn how to network effectively and at scale, build rapport with targeted audiences, expand your influence, and become the go-to authority in your area of expertise. So this is not a quick tips and tricks for LinkedIn success flash in the pan. It's a commitment to changing the way you show up online and experience career shifting breakthroughs. This is expert instruction in small cohorts with personalized one-on-one coaching. If you're interested, go learn more at littlebirdmarketing.com slash social hyphen influence. They think that it's really technologically advanced because they have little systems that track the time. <laughs> it's like, exactly. no, that's just putting the mandate. It's like education. For example, I have one kid in private school and one kid in public school, right? And both of them have laptops for school, right? So one much higher end, one regular one. Guess what both of them do every day? They break their backs carrying these insanely large backpacks. I'm serious. I'm worried for their spine. Yeah. And I'm not joking. I'm not overstating that. It's like, I look at my 17 year old leaving for the day and I'm like, honey, that is going to hurt your back. Get that on. Like, it's just like, I'm thinking about all of the chiropractic expense for the rest of my life. It yeah. is so stupid. They have a laptop in there. Why are we carrying books? I don't even begin to comprehend what the thought process is here. So they think if we give everybody a laptop, oh, now we're technologically innovating. No, you're not. You're just adding a very heavy laptop to the books that are already so heavy. What what is going on there? And let me give you a little as a parent of teenagers, Priscilla, and if other listeners are the following. So you need to dig into Chat GPT because your kids are already. This is the new cheat code. Okay, let me just tell you that it was a couple of weeks ago now. We use Chat GPT here and talk about it with our clients, but a lot of people thought that we would see it and just go, "Oh, this is going to end our business." Like as with anything. Don't give me a samurai sword because I don't know how to wield it, but give me a tool that I can wield. And I'm going to give just a break of an example. I think this is really key, Henry. So for example, ChatGPT revolutionized what's going on in content marketing, right? Do I want a better tool? Hell yeah, I do. I'll take it right now. But I'll tell you this, a lot of people are going to think that that tool, that technology is the solution. Oh, I can run a content agency now. Okay, write a blog about best survey questions to ask for market research insights, whatever. Okay, well, ChatGPT is going to send back, obviously, a very quick and probably lovely response. Is that going to be in alignment with your strategy? Is it going to be answering a question your most ideal client persona is asking? And we know that they are. Is it going to be in alignment with search engine optimization? And how are we going to actually promote it? So if I were to ask ChatGPT, which I do often to refine something that we're writing. And I'll say, hey, take this blog and that we've written, I would say call that like our shitty first draft, right? <laughs> take this and rewrite it with a deeper understanding of this persona. Go enter all of my persona story. Being mindful of these five 
keyword objectives that we have and this, and, and you think we have our secret sauce of all of the things we're going to ask this wonderful AI to process to put this output so immediately into alignment with massive strategy that is unique to our client. So it kind of goes, I hate this idea of everybody thinking that one piece of technology is going to do the work for them. They need to really know how to use that tool. But I got to tell you, at my house, my 17-year-old, I did, I did find, I went back and forth, but about a month ago, I showed him ChatGPT and I sat down and he was writing something about Andrew Jackson. (laughs) And so I said, okay, now he wants to be a surgeon. So I said, Beck, listen, I'm going to show you a tool. It is going to be so commonplace by the time you hit college. I don't think your friends are using it right now. I don't think anybody knows about it in your area. So we sit down. I show he the, just the jaw dropping look at me. And I just, we went on for about an hour and I'm like, now you could this, but you could do this. And I'm like, so let's think about this. He goes, mom, I know what you're going to say. Don't rot your brain and you know all the stuff. But it was such an interesting conversation. No joke. He went the next day into school And he do this outline about Andrew Jackson and and all this kind of stuff. And that day, the timing of it was crazy. The teacher got up and said, hey, we just want to tell you, we're going to come out and just let everybody know that you're not allowed to use chat GPT. (laughs) And he came home and he goes, oh my gosh, well, he's texting me. Like, what do I do? I'm like, you go see that professor. You tell him you used it all weekend. You got to go talk to him right now. Like, go tell him. My mom walked me through it. This is what, like, all this kind of stuff. You got to own it right now, man. (laughs) But it's unrealistic to think that then you're going to tell kids, hey, you can't use this tool. We need to think about the education system and how we are going to use this tool. Anyway, that's my rant. (laughs) I want to go back a second because I want to push you a little bit. Okay, Okay, go for it. (laughs) Your listeners can't see what we're on a Zoom and recording the audio. When you were walking me through ChatGPT, your little bird hat was on. And your brain was verbalizing how you see it and how you plan to use it. But you might not even know this. You reared up with a little defense there. Meaning when you said samurai sword, you're right. Now, here's the key, Priscilla, to me. And it's so interesting. This is just human psychology. I think when a change comes to us, especially the older we get, we don't immediately understand it's fight or flight. I don't think there's an in-between. So in other words, if we can't make the change work for us, We are predispositioned to go, eh, I'm going to come up with ways that it's not going to work. And that'll make me feel better because I'll be warm and safe and cozy because I don't like change, especially change that I think is going to flip me, right? So the really important thing here, and I think this might be, it's a cousin to mindset, is saying, at Little Bird, we use it. We're learning more about it. We like a lot of it. And it's going to be a part of the way that we approach making our clients just ecstatic. Because it's the art. The art is the Priscilla's, which AI will never replace, okay? Using these tools and using these techniques to just make clients over the moon happy. But it's weird. We get in our own way, and I've done it. I remember when I saw Uber for the first time, I was in Newport Beach, California with one of my sales reps, and I was paying the bill, and he looked at his phone. He goes, okay, I got my car. I go, what do you mean you got your car? He goes, I got, you showed me Uber. And I was like, give me that. And I looked, there's this little Monopoly car down a freeway. I was like, let me get this straight. Dwayne and his Buick LeSabre is going <laughs> to pick you up in nine minutes. And you're going to be home at 10.15 and it's going to cost you $9.39. He goes, yeah. I go, it'll never work. Now, why did I do that? I did that because 
Part of my brain was saying, run, run, run. You don't understand it. It's not for you. You're going to look like a fool. And so I did. And then, of course, I was like, uh, no, this is going to work. But I think it's really interesting. And I do this all the time, whether it's self-driving cars or Amazon putting your groceries in your fridge for you. I can get you to a point where you're going to come to a decision to go, oh, Henry, no way. I'm out on that. To which I say, forget the decision. Why did you go so quick like that? That's interesting. So anyway. But tell me what you saw, because I am the doctor's in. Tell me, what did you see that you yeah. think where I could really stand an interesting new mindset shift? So I saw you putting it in its place. I saw you oh, saying, okay. I know what it is, uh-huh. but it's not the end all be all. And it's not, but it's weird, Priscilla. Like even I want to see you play offense, not defense. Oh, you don't smell the openness because it's not there. Like I've already decided where it belongs exactly. and how we're going to use it. Oh, I love that. I love and that. You didn't, okay. you didn't even get it. I think it's such an instinctual reaction. Yeah. We go, uh, you know, like EV, electric vehicles and self-driving. I'll get that. Of all things, when I, when I do my talk on college campuses, it's so strange. Younger people are predisposed to, to raise their hand that they do not want self-driving, which I still don't get. I don't know why they do that. But anyway... It's just so interesting how quickly, as humans, we make that choice because I don't think part of our brain wants us to get hurt. I know it doesn't. And so it's a subtle shift to say, because think about it, Priscilla, you're the head of the snake at Little Bird. If that's the way you emanate and you speak to everyone in the ecosystem, that's the way they're going to approach this. And, And look, some of that technology may or may not work. Some won't. And so I think we think that, oh, you're going to have egg on your face. Will you? Really? Because I'd rather you you have egg on your face going, I knew what it was and we've marched past it and we've learned. Mm -hmm. And so it's weird to me if you didn't do that. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's super interesting. I'm going to tell you a confessional. (laughs) (laughs) I can't remember. And since I met you, I've been trying to remember what the name of this thing was. But as you know, I come from before I was in marketing, I put myself through school in banking and then I worked for credit card processing. I started a company that still runs doing that. So I still kind of have one foot sometimes in the financial industry and I'm very intrigued by what's going on there. And I remember there was a credit card technology that came on Kickstarter and then I'm like, raise my hand first. And it was one credit card that had a digital chip inside and basically you could store all like five, six, seven different credit cards, carry this one and basically flip and say, I want to use that card, that card. And then the mag strip and the whole, the dynamics of the card would become that one card you want to use. So it'd be a way of carrying five different cards with one. And I'm like, genius, I'm in. And I think it was like, I paid a lot of money. <laughs> and then, and it arrived, of course, like 10 months later or whatever, by that time, Apple wallets already out. <laughs> and now I don't need to carry that card. And now I just need to carry the phone that I've already had. Kind of thing. And I just, I remember laughing at myself so much, but going, but that's my will. Like I want to participate so much in something that is going to be what's next. And I would not even categorize myself as an early adopter, but I am excited by that kind of thing enough to where I put my money where my mouth was, but I could not conceive. I mean, it blew my mind when I was like, wait, there was a different way to skin this cow. Like, <laughs> why did I miss that? And it just sometimes it aggravates me to go, but I never saw that. I never saw that coming. And that's when you consult from the side of innovation and disruption, how do you ever get over that feeling with your clients of they're going, 
but I never saw it. And really who can blame them? So how do we, let's end with this focus. What is your advice about how we stay open? Like you just admonished me and how do we cultivate a mindset that is ready to see what is sometimes we feel is unseeable? What would you say to that? So I would say a lot. (laughs) One is, I think you have to go through the exercise we talked about. Get on the whiteboard, get a day off, off site, get a good moderator and figure out, okay, where are we complacent? Where are our customers frustrated? Where are the big tension points in our business? If you can just get the top three, forget 19, just do three, right? And come up with, here are the three. Guys, that's the playbook to disrupt you. Whether whoever's coming, and this is the other thing that I'll say, Priscilla, the barbarians at everyone's gate do not look like what they used to look like. And that banking analogy you give, these aren't white men in three-piece suits anymore. These are 21-year-old girls in Mumbai with a smartphone. Okay, so this is a, it's a lot different landscape. So, But number one, I would say do that activity. When you do that activity, you'll start to chase these new rabbits that will not only keep you in business, but it will propel and innovate you into 2.0 or whatever it is you're doing. I think here's another really interesting thing to chew on for your listeners. This is a way to incorporate the younger people that so many of our age group are having a tougher time incorporating. What do I mean by that? Well, what they want is they want to be included. They want to be empowered. and They want their voice heard. All that work I just mentioned, man, you are missing the mark if you do not include your youngest employees in that big time, because that's what they want. It's this weird kind of like, it's not the answer to the test to me, but boy, I've seen some companies, Priscilla, really empower their younger workforce and frankly, make it a better place to be for people that they're trying to recruit by saying, look, we're genuine in this chase of what we're going to be. And you are a major part of that. I mean, if you don't want that, that's okay. Cause I don't, you need to go work somewhere else that you're not for us. Right? right. So it helps kind of recruit the, really the cream of the crop, so to speak. So, and then I would say one more thing for your executives that are been around a block a couple of times, I think you have to pick one of the new technologies, I call them the essential eight, and which you saw, you have to pick at least one and do a deep dive. Do some research on pods, obviously YouTube videos. It's cheap and easy. Once you start with that snowball at the top of the hill, it's going to become a, an avalanche because it's, it's really, really interesting. And then when you start to understand where it's coming, you'll give yourself new ideas for your business. But you have to start. I'm a big fan of, look, that institutional knowledge has got to be under your roof. You cannot rely on consultants to keep coming and give you that knowledge because it's going to be too late. So those are some things I would say. And I think the easiest ones to me, artificial intelligence, 2023 is the year of chat GPT, right? And then the blockchain on the finance side and a lot of other applications. Those are probably my two favorite, but pick one. Yeah, the the blockchain has so much. You and I both kind of sit peripherally around market research, and that's such a massive technology that you cannot afford to not understand clearly. So yeah, it kind of like people do get that little bit of complacency personally in learning (laughs) and saying, oh, well, someone else will do that. Or even as a CEO, I'll hire a consultant to come in and and handle it. But we need to understand it. And I, I like that admonition a lot. It's like, dig in, start learning again. <laughs> it might be painful, <laughs> but, but learn. I love that. Okay. Henry, where can people find you? Because I've got to tell you, he's open to this consulting. And, and like he said, 
He's going to force your team to look at it, but also say, but how are you going to internalize this? Because as he said, you can't rely on consultants long-term, but you need them to shake things up and to help you really with a system and process with which you can evaluate what's next and what should we be doing? How can we not be overcome by what's next? Maybe that's the issue. So where can they find you, Henry? Yeah, so I'm really active on LinkedIn, just like you are, Priscilla. It's Henry Hayes, H-A-Y-S. And then my website's henryhayesconsulting.com. I will tell you, 30 seconds, we've just started, we have another startup that kicked off this week, which I'm honestly, Priscilla, in my professional life, I'm probably the most excited about this. It's called Disrupt Ready. And it's called that because I didn't want a training or a certificate. You know, we've got those in our offices and it's like, what does that mean? So I thought, Staring at this storm of disruption, how do you get ready? And so we birthed the name. What it is, it's two-pronged. One is education. So Priscilla and Henry are never going to code for the blockchain for Solidify. I mean, I'm not technically built, in, and I don't think you are either. So we need to understand eight inches deep such that we can make a substantive decision to move our business. So that's the first thing we do. We just finished doing this with the banking sector for three and a half days. The second thing we do is called hand on your shoulder, meaning now that you have the education, what's next? You have to do something with it, i.e. Uh, step into one of these new technologies and iterate your business. So we help on the consultative side of that because we know a lot of the tech players and kind of what a good marriage would look like. So disruptready.com is our new, our new masthead. And like I said, I'm really excited about that because there's so many legacy businesses, Priscilla, that not only will make it, they will jump to the front of the line because people around them are too slow to act. So really excited about that. And yeah, you can find me there. Awesome. DisruptReady.com. We'll put it in the show notes as well. Do go connect with him on LinkedIn. I do find your feed really invaluable, very openly, overtly helpful. So (laughs) Henry, thanks so much for coming on the show and for whatever you have next in digital transformation. We do want it to be a success. I really appreciate your time, Henry. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. And uh, let's work on those books for your 17-year-old. Yes, exactly. (laughs) If you like this content, be sure to give us a five-star rating on iTunes or wherever you downloaded this podcast. It's how people find our show. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.